Uh, it's great to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, if you've not met before, my name's Neil, and I'm the associate uh, minister here. Um, prayer is one of the, the simplest yet most profound gifts uh, that God has given to us, his people. In the simplest form, uh, Lars, you might put it on the first slide for me, please. Thank you. In the simplest form, um, prayer is just communicating with God. But the fact that the, the God and creator of this universe invites us to communicate with him is just mind-blowing. And today I want to encourage each of us to do just that, to devote ourselves to prayer. Uh, with that being said, please do bow your heads to pray. Father God, as we come before your God-breathed words, by your Spirit, shape our hearts more and more into the likeness of your perfect Son, Jesus Christ, causing us to devote ourselves to prayer. Amen. Uh, please do have your Bibles uh, open in front of you um, to Acts chapter 20, uh, sorry, to Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 23, and it's on page 1096 of the Red Bibles in church. Uh, this morning, I want to spend our time uh, reflecting on this passage uh, and what God's Spirit is teaching us about prayer from this true event that he brought about in the life of the early church. Now, I wonder, uh, what is the first thing you do when something happens to you? Uh, maybe you get some good news. Uh, maybe you've just found out you've got major surgery. Uh, maybe you've seen a movie or a sporting event that particularly moved you. Um, maybe you've been overlooked for promotion. What's the first thing that you do in those situations? How often is prayer our first response? For context, Peter and John uh, have just been released by the Jewish leaders after being arrested for proclaiming that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Uh, we pick up the story as these two men join back with the other disciples and share what had happened to them. What's the first thing they do upon hearing this news? Verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together to pray to God. I was reminded of King David, uh, who you'll remember, before making a decision, always inquires of the Lord. Again and again, we hear that in David's life. So these brothers and sisters, having just received back Peter and John in one piece, the first thing they do is pray. Raising their voices together to God. Of course they did. Because remember, they were devoted to prayer. And the way they prayed in this uh, small piece of Acts is just stunning. And I want us to, to see just how stunning it is. Uh, because it may help us in our own prayer life as we more and more devote ourselves to prayer. Now, of course, there are other models and ways of prayer, uh, but since we're here in this chapter, why not have a look at this, eh? The first thing to notice is that it begins by saying something about the character of God, verse 24. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your servant David. Three characteristics about God start their prayer. Do you notice them? Firstly, that God is sovereign. That God is in control of all things. 
Now, this is super important, so we'll come back to that and spend a bit more time there a bit later on in the sermon. Secondly, that God is the creator God. What did God create? Everything. Saying the heavens and the earth is like saying the whole universe in totality. And just to be certain, they add in the seas. And while they're at it, everything in them. God made it all. And God is sovereign over it all. That's everything in the heavens, everything on the earth, and everything in the seas. Thirdly, they recognize that this God to whom they're praying is a speaking God. What a wonderful truth. Now, remember my sermon from a few weeks back on teaching? All scripture is God-breathed. We believe in a God who speaks clearly to his people, primarily through his word and sometimes in other ways, as we'll hear a bit later on. So prayer begins, in this case, by acknowledging something of the character of God. And then they move on to quote from scripture at the end of verse 25 onwards. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Here they are quoting from the first few verses of Psalm 2. And helpfully, we have a footnote in our Bibles to tell us that, so we can go and, and look that up ourselves. These first Christians have chosen this psalm because it expresses something they want to pray about. The better we know our Bibles, the more deeply we will come to know our God and the more intimate our conversations with him will be. I'd really, really, really want to encourage all of us this year to to spend at some point every day a bit of time with God in his word. Two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. I wrote a blog on our website uh, a few weeks ago uh, to encourage us to do that. Maybe you might find some inspiration there to speak, to spend time in God and his word. So the prayer is rooted in God's character and in scripture, but then it becomes contextual. They take this scripture they just prayed about and they see how it maps onto their own situation. Psalm 2, the nations rage and the people's plot. And here they say that there are two nations, the Jews, that's the, the nation of Israel, and the Gentiles raging and plotting. Psalm 2 says, kings and rulers band, have banded together and raise up against God's anointed one. Which they interpret here as King Herod, banding together with the ruler Pilate to rise up against God's holy servant Jesus, whom God has anointed. Here we come back to God's sovereignty. I wonder, do you know what happens when we doubt the sovereignty of God? We stop trusting him. I want to show you three uh, quick diagrams that I found so helpful when thinking about prayer. Uh, in this first diagram, you can see we have a little person at the bottom. That's us when we are praying. And the crown at the top, well, that's, that's God. And the rock in the middle might be some situation or some problem we're faced with. If we have a small view of God's sovereignty, it doesn't matter how much we think God loves us, He is simply powerless to help our problem. He's too small. And so we don't pray to him about it because we don't believe he can actually do anything anyway. In this second diagram, our problem is still pretty big. And actually, um, our view of God might be a bit bigger. 
But the issue here is that we think we don't actually need God. Because we're big enough to deal with it. We have all the resources and ingenuity and money and support and strength and help we ever need. We can overcome this problem. And so we don't need God. And so we don't pray to him about it. But in this third diagram, our problem's still quite big. And we actually may feel big or small in the face of it. But we know that our God is bigger than it all and is sovereign over it all. I mean, in fact, the diagram should really be more like this. That everything is found within God's sovereignty. Remember the sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth, the seas and everything in them? I wonder how many of us pray that God would bring somebody to faith. If we don't believe in God's sovereignty, we wouldn't pray that prayer. Because we wouldn't believe that God actually had the power and the ability to answer it, to affect their free choices. There is a mystery here that we need to accept. Prayer is committing all of who we are to a God who is over all things. Our joys and our sorrows, our wants and our desires. A rich and nourishing prayer life comes down to trust. Do we trust that God is sovereign and is working for the good of all those who love him, who have been called according to the purpose of his will, as Paul writes in Romans 8? Even in the midst of uncertainty? Even in the midst of suffering? Do we trust in the sovereignty of our good God? Jesus did. You know, so often I find myself back with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You'll know the story. Uh, Jesus goes with his disciples to pray on the night when he was about to be betrayed by one of his closest friends. Three times Jesus prays to his father. My father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken away from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knew the agony of the next 24 hours. As he would go on to bear the sins of this whole world upon himself and in his body. And he didn't want to do it. He wanted the cup to be taken away. But he trusted his father. And he trusted his father's will and purposes and plans. And he committed to himself to them, even though he knew how brutally hard that would be. Because he trusted God. And the disciples make that point clear in verse 28 of their prayer. Look down me. The disciples pray this. They did what your power and ha- will had decided beforehand should happen. They are grounding this psalm back into God's sovereignty. The sovereign Lord, verse 24, who made everything and who, so who owns everything and so who is in charge and in control of everything. Brothers and sisters, the, the torture and crucifixion of our Lord Jesus was abhorrent. It was the height of the evil of mankind to nail God to a tree, as we just sung about. But the cross was never a mistake. The cross was never God's plans gone wrong. 
No, this is what God's power and will had decided beforehand should happen. If God was not sovereign, Jesus would not have been able to commit himself fully and obediently because he'd have no idea how it would turn out. But God is sovereign. And so Jesus did trust his Father God. And on that first Easter morning, by the power of God's Spirit, Jesus burst forth from the grave. Do you know what gave Jesus the strength to face the cross? Prayer. It was prayer that prepared Jesus' heart and stilled his body for what lay ahead. Who can remember what Peter did three times on that same night? Who can remember? Denied him. He denied ever knowing Jesus three times. Why? Because his body was weak and in those crucial moments he lacked courage. Matthew chapter 26 verse 40 says this. Then Jesus, this is in the Gethsemane garden, returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And then Jesus says this in verse 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus had the strength in his body to face the cross because he wrestled and agonized in prayer over it to the point that he sweat blood. Peter lacked the courage to support his Lord because he neglected to pray and chose to sleep. Brothers and sisters, God has given each of us who believe the gift of his spirit right now, living inside of each of us. And his spirit is shaping and conforming us more into the likeness of his perfect and obedient son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Devote yourselves to prayer. And God says that you will find strength in your body given by his spirit to do what God wills for you. His spirit is willing. So maybe that's an opportunity for you to, to join us in praying together here at Christchurch. John just said it, but do you know we pray four times a month here, giving time just to communicate to God. Uh, tonight and twice a month, uh, we meet on Zoom to discern God's vision, God's will for our church. We'll be doing it again tonight at 7.30. Do join us on Zoom. On the first Monday of each month, we gather in the lounge to pray at Boiler Room. And on the second Sunday, we gather here to pray with music, Kingdom Come. We are entering into a new season of ministry for God. And he wants to do great and wonderful things through his church. He always does. In this community and in his world. And this church and us are bound up with his plans. So come along and join us to pray. Stealing our bodies individually and our body as a church. To be willing to his spirit. Whom lives inside of us today and is calling us. Calling us as his church to do his work. So this prayer has first looked at God's character. It then uses scripture, which is then contextualized and finally applied. Verse 29. 
And now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your servant, Jesus. How can these disciples pray so boldly? They've just been arrested. They face persecution. In a couple of chapters, Stephen will be the first martyr in the church. Their leader was publicly executed. Where do they get the courage to pray like this? From the God-breathed, Holy Spirit-inspired scriptures. Do you know what God does in Psalm 2 when the kings of the earth and the rulers gather and take their stand against him? The one enthroned on high in heaven, he laughs. <laughs> he scoffs at them. It's like MC Hammer. You can't touch this. God is sovereign and in control. He made everything and everything belongs to him. What can they do that he had not decided beforehand would happen? Nothing. Sometimes my children get a bit cross with me. I don't know why. Because I've done something wrong or because I haven't done something the way they wanted it done. And sometimes they might show a tantrum. And they might make loud, angry noises, and they might say unkind things, and if they're super cross, they might throw things, soft things. Now, I love my kids, but in those moments when I'm really tested and I'm fed up, do you know what I want to do? I want to laugh at them. What can they do? What can their threats and tantrums actually achieve? Now, I don't laugh at my kids, just to be clear, but in those moments... I just want to laugh at them. Do you see what I mean? These disciples have the courage to pray boldly in the face of persecution because they know their scriptures and they have read and memorized the promises of God. And they are praying into those same promises. And do you notice how they approach the throne of God? With confidence. Look back at verses 29 and 30. Now, Lord, enable us. Stretch out your hand. I often think back to the prayers that I say, and I just look at them and think, how timid are you, Anil? I wrap my petitions in so many caveats and soft words. Oh, Lord, please do such and such that we might so and so. Or, Lord, maybe you might do so and so, that such and such might happen, or Lord, um, please may you do this thing, that this thing, do, do you know what I mean? Do you pray like that sometimes? Brothers and sisters, let's come before the throne of grace with confidence, as the author to the Hebrews says. Now, Lord, strengthen, heal, send, stretch out, do you ever notice how direct the Lord's prayer is? Please, God, give us our daily bread. Help us to keep away from temptation. It doesn't say that, does it? Jesus tells us to pray, give us our daily bread. Lead us not in temptation. Let's be bold as we pray to God, Jesus encourages us to, with confidence that we come before the God of this universe as his children in Christ, his beloved son, empowered by his Holy Spirit. What happened after they prayed? 
their prayers were answered. Verse 31, the place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke boldly. Now the place shaking, that is an epic miracle and a sign to them and and maybe uh, you have experienced something similar in your own lives. I've heard of many stories of that happening. I haven't experienced it, but maybe you have. But how do you think they knew that God's Spirit had empowered them to speak boldly? Because they began to speak. I don't know uh, what your experiences of answered prayer look like. Uh, Maybe you lay out a fleece. Uh, By the way, I don't think that's something we're encouraged to do, but maybe you lay out a fleece. Maybe you've had a word or a vision. If you have, these can be so wonderfully precious and powerful. But that's not the most common way that God answers prayers. But maybe he has for you. More often than not, it's when we try to do something and see if it seems to be going in the right direction that we begin to see if it's been answered. So often we just need to do something. Bless you. Do you remember when Jesus says to the disciples in Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 7, 37? Jesus says this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord, pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest field. Do you know what happens in the very next verse? Jesus sends the same disciples who make that prayer out into the harvest field. They become the answer to their own prayers. We are filled with the Holy Spirit who empowers and enables us to do all good works that he has prepared for us. So let me encourage you, if there is something that you're praying for, give it a go. Just do something. And weigh what you are praying against the scriptures, just like these disciples did. God will never contradict himself, and God will never cause you to sin. So if what you're thinking is in keeping with what God teaches, give it a go. Have a look. Test it in scriptures. Be like the Bereans. Ask a fellow Christian. Pray with other believers. They gathered together to pray, didn't they? So many times I begin to find that prayers are being answered when I've invited other people to join me in praying for them. At Christ Church, as John just said, we're going to be reintroducing a time of prayer like this after our services from the 6th of February onwards. I'd invite you to make use of praying with other brothers and sisters in this way either after service or in a small group, or to speak to, to John and I, or even turn to a brother or sister after church and pray to him together. I just want to give a, a quick word on prophecy here. If you feel God saying something to you for someone else, that's really great. Do pass it on, do be encouraged by it, test the scriptures. But let me encourage you not to tell something to someone you may have heard from the Lord about marriage or babies. These thoughts may be from God but they may not be. And these kind of prophetic statements can be really painful to people who cling on to them. So let me just encourage that as a, as a gentle word there, a word of caution. Having said all this, remember that God is sovereign and he is working for the good of all those who love him, those who have been called according to the purposes of his will. And so you can trust God And you can trust that God has got this and faithfully move forwards going about his business, trusting in him.
So brothers and sisters, let me encourage you, this year and always, devote yourselves to prayer. As the band come forward, please bow your heads to pray. Father God, um, oh, we love to speak to you. I am struck so often, Lord, how it says in your word that you delight to hear your people prayer. You delight to hear us speak to you. What a gift, Lord. Sometimes, Lord, we, we, we don't know what to say, but your son has given us a beautiful prayer in the Lord's Prayer to pray together. Sometimes, Lord, uh, we might say the, we think we're going to say the wrong thing, but Lord, help us to trust that, that you know the, the thoughts of our mind before we say them, the, the words in our mouth before our tongue moves. And since you know those things, Lord, inspire us by your Spirit just to say them. Lord, we thank you for the truth that your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right now in this moment is sitting at your right hand, interceding on our behalf. That each of us who believe in you, your son is reeling our names off constantly in prayer before you. Father God, we thank you that your spirit lives inside of all us who call you Lord. Groaning inwardly that in those hard and desperate moments where we don't know what to say, your spirit takes those prayers, those inaudible sounds to you. And you hear them. Father, give us boldness. Give us courage to come before your throne of grace, not as uh, petrified, uh, naughty children, but as beloved children in your Son. In your mercy, Lord, show us answers to prayer. Help us to see where you are moving. Give us words of encouragement, inspire us from your scriptures. Father God, will we be known here at Christ Church this year from this week of prayer at the beginning of the year and this regular diet of prayer in church life, will we be known as people who pray? That in every situation, in every circumstance, the first thing we do is turn to you because you hear us, because you love us. Father God, we commit uh, this year to you, Lord. By your Spirit, shape us into the image of your Son more and more. Make us prayerful. I'm just going to... I don't know what to do this, but I'm just getting a sense that there might be uh, some of us who, who, who actually hearing about God's sovereignty and hearing about prayer and unanswered prayer might actually be a really hard thing today uh, because of um, complications or, or hurts or illness or whatever that might be. I just want to encourage you to, in your pain and your difficulty, to bring that to God. A God who hears you and, and delights to listen to you. A God who is big enough to hold that. You may have um, questions about why, why God is allowing things to happen, those for you. But I invite you to trust in a God who loves you and who sent his son to die for you. And maybe if that's something on your heart, then do come speak to to John or I or someone after this service to pray about that. Lord, we lift all this to you, knowing that you hear us and love us. Amen.